The report card is in from Ontario's Auditor General on the province's environment policies. And the marks are low for Doug Ford's Ontario. Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. Late last week, Bonnie Lissick released several reports painting a picture that lacked transparency from the provincial government. Now, the Auditor General is an independent body and nonpartisan. The office's mandates to review financial issues and public transparency. And it appears the Ministry of the Environment is not living up to its obligations. Now, coming up on the Unpublished Cafe, we'll take a look at the report and hear from opposition critics about their concerns. And what seems to be a pattern of this Ontario government, I reached out to Environment Minister Jeff York to join us, but alas, he is unavailable. Lucille Kalar is the Liberals Environment Critic and MPP for Ottawa Vanier, and she joins us now. And Lucille, there seems to be a lot of ignoring of rules and regulations, in particular regarding public consultation. Yes, that's correct. And uh, you've pointed out very correctly that the Auditor General is an independent body. So it's not for the government to criticize and, uh, you know, not believe what she's saying. And I think she's basing herself on, you know, evidence that she's gathered. And I think that the result of the report is making making it very obvious that this government has no priority on protecting the environment. And that's very concerning in terms of, of process, but in terms of priority as well. Now, you know, we, we have heard from the, from the province that, uh, you know, they're dealing with the pandemic right now, but you think that's just a weak cover as they had changed some of the regulations before COVID even arrived here? Yeah, definitely. I think they're using the pandemic as an excuse not to do uh, the best that they could. In fact, the government is really doing the strict minimum and even made decision, uh, you know, without proper consultations, like you've uh, mentioned, which was the biggest uh, complaint of the Auditor General. And it's actually kind of a typical behavior of this government. And, and it happens at all stages of their governance model. Uh, you know, over the last months, we've seen uh, bills that are rushed through the House without sufficient time for people to participate in the study or to provide meaningful input. It has the same impact also on opposition members like myself in the House, uh, because we're not given enough time either uh, to do our own consultation and challenge the government on the measures that they are pushing through. So, you know, and the government is using all kind of tactics as well to prevent the opposition to hold the government into account. Uh, they change constantly the order of the day and they time allocate, you know, voting on bills and motion to speed up debate in the House. And same with the committee work. It's, uh, you know, it's a, a concerning uh, behavior that the government is having right now. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the impact on the environment is quite significant nowadays. Now, you also mentioned that uh, some of these changes come for partisan gain for, for friends of the government. Which ones are you referring to? Well, um, I mean, there's a, there's quite a few, and I don't want to name people, but we know that uh, the government is being, um, the government is consulting, um, you know, previous uh, high-profile conservative uh, members or campaign participants, and he seems to be listening to that instead of listening to the people. And that's very concerning, especially when we think about, uh, you know, now that the Minister of Environment has discretion to authorize uh, project construction on wetlands uh, without consultation. So he, the government can actually just uh, override and bypass 
any kind of public consultation and allow for, uh, you know, to projects to, to be built on those wetlands, which are very important for the balance of our environment. Uh, they have a significant role in, uh, you know, protecting the communities from flood, which, you know, will in the long term cost a lot of money to the government. So uh, definitely, you know, if you're not listening to the public, you're listening to somebody else. And those somebody else are friends of the government. You know, in terms of what you're talking about, uh, development in, in the wetlands and in floodplains, that kind of a thing, you would think that the government might take a take a, a look at the insurance industry, which would, you know, after the floods we saw in Ottawa in 2018, 2019, as well as what we saw out in Calgary, that you wouldn't be building in a floodplain because of the costs to, well, the people, the insurance industry, uh, taxpayers for cleanup and everything else, It it's... It's a pretty expensive endeavor. Yeah, absolutely. It makes you wonder how the government is calculating, right? And this has been brought forward in House on many occasions, trying to, you know, make the government realize you're not saving money by doing that, even though you're thinking that you're building building projects that are going to, you know, create jobs. You're just going to, you know like negate all the positive impact of the project by all the negative impacts that will ensue later. It's just as if like they can't think beyond, you know, a a certain time limit uh, and they're just there for the short run and then whatever impact and, you know, they'll just ignore it or they figure they'll deal with it later. Lucille Kalar is joining us in the Unpublished Cafe. She's the Liberals environment critic as well as the MPP for Ottawa Vanier as we talk about the Auditor General's report on Ontario's environment policies. And one uh, other pointed uh, item pointed out by Bonnie Lissick, uh, uh, government's not collecting data on protected land or endangered species. So how, as a government, do you make decisions without data? Yeah, exactly. If you, you can't uh, you can't address what you don't measure, and the government doesn't have target. It doesn't put resource into uh, oversight. Uh, actually, it's the opposite. And it, what we've seen is really that the government is starving its Minister of Environment. They don't have enough staff with expertise to to advise on any potential decision. They don't have an ability to control the change on the environment and the impact of the decisions that they are making. So, you know, it's just another way of that shows that the government doesn't have a priority for the environment. Like we've seen that, you know, as soon as they got into power, they canceled all sorts of green energy pro, pro, projects and they went ahead with their very expensive uh you know, label, uh, you know, lawsuit for, you know, gas emission. Um, It's all bad news all around, right, for the environment? That it is, that it is. Now, uh, the the Auditor General also pointed out that the 2030 emissions emissions reduction target will be missed. Uh, What's the impact on the province? Well, I think that, you know, uh, the impact will be that we we will increase our green gas emission instead of reducing it, which, you know, should be the focus of the government. The government right now is focusing on reducing energy consumption, but it should be really focusing on reducing greenhouse gas emission. They have no long-term target. They have no measure, uh, you know, they have no way of measuring the, the impact of this, and they're taking decisions that, you know, will be an impact on our future society. And I'm thinking about our children here, you know, that they're going to inherit uh, a land and a planet that, you know, will need 
much more work. And I think it's, you know, it's up to every level of the government to step up and, you know, to do their part. Like, you know, individually, we can also do our part, but I think the government have a big responsibility to the public. All right. Now, if the Liberals were to win power in the next election, how would you handle the environment, considering what you've seen in the Auditor General's report? Would you reverse those actions? Uh, would you change it? What would you do? What would the government do? Well, I think that we would, you know, we would have to listen, first of all, to the Auditor General. I think that when you get that kind of recommendations or, you know, conclusions based on evidence, you have to be listening. So I, I would hope, and I mean, the liberal uh, is not, we're not going into election, hopefully not for another couple of years. And, you know, we're certainly been listening, uh, you know, to environmental concerns. And uh, I, I can't speak on behalf of, you know, every member of the caucus, but being the environmental critic and being uh, really interested, I would certainly hope that we would go towards more, um, you know, efficient solutions to protect our environment. And I was actually just meeting this uh, morning with... Um, what are they called? They are the Environmental uh, Industry Association. And uh, they have at the industrial level very interesting uh, solutions that are actually cost effective uh, into managing our water and our waste and, you know, the land. So, I mean, we could draw from these experts and actually put forward some initiatives that would be cost efficient, very responsible financially, and at the same time, uh, you know, protecting the environment and attaining some interesting target in terms of uh, greenhouse emissions. Lucille, I want to thank you for joining us. Well, thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Lucille Kalar is the MPP for Ottawa Vanier and the Liberal Environment Critic. Ontario Parks comes under the Environment Ministry. It runs the provincial parks and the conservation reserves. And this past summer, with so many people looking to be outdoors, they would have been heavily used. But there are serious issues with them. Ian Arthur is the opposition environment critic and MPP for Kingston and the Islands. And he joins us now. And Ian, there seems to be a lack of expert staff when it comes to Ontario Parks. Uh, yeah, that's one of the many uh, observations that the Auditor General had when she uh, released her report on the environment, that, that we, we don't even have the people to do the job that we're asking them to do. And do we know why that is, or have they just been basically starved, starved of funding? <laughs> I, I, I think it's a little bit starved for funding, and I, I think it's also reflective of the kind of overall uh, sort of attitude that this government has towards anything environmental. It's it's an afterthought of an afterthought, and it's something that gets in the way of other things, and, and whether it's the, the conservation uh, and park section of this or, or the kind of broader environmental implications of the decisions that they're making. And, and let's talk about those implications. What, what, what implications concern you right now? Uh, I think we're seeing a, a shift in... in the the level of protections that we have for our natural spaces where we're, we see a government that that's focusing on uh, i think a very narrow understanding of what it takes to protect the the beautiful parks and lakes and, and natural resources that we have in ontario and and i think it's more and more emphasis is being given to you know this is the red tape government and and while no one supports 
sort of contradictory uh, red tape that's there for just the sake of being there, we forget that a lot of them are in place to protect these very areas. Um, and when we see things like the shifts in, in the approach to the power that conservation authorities have, for instance, uh, they, they take a watershed management approach. They're talking about beyond the borders of any one municipality because very much, you know, it's a cliche to say it, but everything is connected and the decisions we make upstream from Kingston or any other community in, in, in Ontario have a dramatic effect. So, so we, ha we have to take a whole, I think, kind of a whole of nature approach to this. And that's not what I see happening right now. And I don't think that's what the Auditor General saw happening as well. Now, the Ontario government is supposed to protect land for, for obviously, for residents, but there doesn't seem to, be, seem to be enough people working to protect the land, which is slowing the province's effort to protect more. Yes, well, well, that's exactly it, you know. And, and I think, what, what was it? It was like seven of the 254 staff at Ontario print. Mm. Uh, parks yeah. are ecologists. So it, we do have experts in these fields. And I think this is where the why I brought up conservation authorities, because there is overlap. We have scientists working for conservation authorities, and, and we kind of think of them in a layperson's terms as, as kind of like a mini park. You know, it's where we'll go for a walk with the dog and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But that's a secondary yeah. function of, of a conservation authority. Um or a conservation area. The actual authority is, is the science brains behind this. Should all park officials be ecologists? No. Should, should there be a level of scientific expertise in parks? 100%. That there needs to be, they need to be supported, and then they need to be listened to. And I think this is the bigger problem. We have scientists and conservation authorities. We have some scientists in parks. We probably need some more. We need, even if, even if the recommendations are kind of uncomfortable for the priorities of the government of the day, they're making decisions looking far ahead into the future. And, and we need to be comfortable accepting and representing the experts' views on this. Very much in the same way that we, we've listened to the experts during COVID, I think we need to take the same criteria and apply it to, to those folks who talk about our streams, our rivers, um, and environmental protections. Now, there's still commercial logging in Algonquin Park. Two-thirds of, of you know, the crown jewel of Ontario Parks is still dealing with logging. Uh, do, do you see that ever changing, or do you see that expanding? Uh, I, I certainly hope it doesn't. I, I think it needs to be very well managed. If we're going to have any form of logging in a provincial park, there are, you know, and... It's, it's a very difficult question, and I'm going to play, you know, give you a bit of a political answer here in, in that I would listen to folks who are experts in this area. So as we, you know, forest management is incredibly important, and the forestry industry is hugely important to Ontario. Should it be happening in a provincial park? Uh, if it can be justified from a conservation standpoint that, that we need to do some selective logging, it can have an effect on, on areas' ability to withstand forest fires or, or to not have forest fires. There are some right instances for when we need to kind of uh, play a role in, in managing that natural system. Beyond that, for the sake like logging, you know, if it's if it's clear cut for the sake of profit and not for managing the actual system, the ecosystem that's in place in Algonquin, no, I I don't think we should be continuing that. We we have too few protected spaces as it is.
Ian Arthur is joining us in the Unpublished Cafe. He's the opposition opposition environment critic, as well as the NDP MPP for Kingston and the Islands. And and this government opened up extraction uh, in violation of the Wilderness Act. And, and, and I'm I'm a little curious as to, you know does the government just ignore the rules or it doesn't wait to change them or. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head there. And, and if you look at the opening kind of statements of the Auditor General's re- report, you know, she she said, I'm, I'm just trying to find a uh, quote here quickly, that ministry's decisions are not consistent with the purposes of the Environmental Bill of Rights Act for, for one thing, and that's just the EBR. But she pinpoints specifically that the Ministry of, uh, Ministry of Environment, Conservation and Parks which has primary responsibility for environmental matters in Ontario, is not leading by example. And that she found many instances of non-compliance, even though it is the entity that is responsible for the administration of the Environmental Bill of Rights. So I think you're exactly right. I think they view them as obstacles to their goals. I don't think they view them as protections for future generations. I think it's, I, I think the, the thinking of this government is far more short-term. And it's driven by an entirely different agenda that is in conflict with protecting natural areas. Does the Environmental Bill of Rights matter? Uh, It has to matter. We're we're facing generational problems, whether it's climate change, change the the you know or any of the other problems in in healthcare and education that we have they're generational there are no quick answers to it and so we enshrine things that need to outlast governments of the day in bills of rights in constitutions and i think the environment needs to be protected in the same way short term decision making does not work um if 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 we you know to to pull in kind of an indigenous idea when they when when there is talk of thinking about things in terms of, of the seven coming generations, the, the seven generations ahead of where we are. We have to have an environmental bill of rights because otherwise we have no guarantee from any government of the day that they're going to think in that time frame and that's exactly where they, they should be. Uh, when they're not, we need those protections in place. If an NDP government were to win power in the next election, how would it change these policies, if at all? Uh, that's, I mean, that's a massive question to cover in a very short interview. Uh, we're, we're in the process of, of we, we had written a, a, what we call the, the uh, New Democratic uh, Green Deal, a, a New mm-hmm. Green Deal type document that, that looks to the future and, and what we should be doing in the environmental area. Uh, and we're in the process of updating that for the context of, of post-COVID recovery. You know, it was written before the pandemic started, so we had to go back to the drawing board with it, and we will be coming out with it uh, in the near future. Um, but it, abiding by the rules, whether or not we go and expand the Environmental Bill of Rights, and certainly I think it's probably time, given the, the new context of uh, that we have and, and the accelerating problems we have from climate change, that we do update it. But even if we don't, there is substantial protections in place there if a government of the day feels a need to actually pay attention to that. And that would be the starting point. Look at the rules that are in place. Don't try and undermine them. Don't try and circumvent them. And and they're there for a reason. They were developed for a reason. We should be working within those parameters because in all likelihood, they're going to provide us with some really sound guidance as to how we should be operating in an environmental context and in a social context in Ontario. Ian, I want to thank you for joining us. 
Thanks so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure to talk about this. Ian Arthur is the MPP for Kingston and the Islands, as well as the environment critic for the opposition. And that leads to our unpublished.vote question. Do you feel the provincial government can ignore some environmental regulations to deal with the COVID pandemic? Yes, no, or unsure? You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote and have your voice heard. I want to thank our guests, Ian Arthur, opposition environment critic, and Lucille Collar, liberal MPP for Ottawa Vanier. And I want to thank you for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.